I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sharpie Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. So uh, starting the podcast with a little bit of Aretha Franklin, that was uh, her very first Hot 100 hit. Yeah, a song called Won't Be Long, which she had with the Ray Bryant combo. And I think for a lot of people, um, it's a 1960s hit, but it sort of really shows for people who don't know, Aretha Franklin was signed to Columbia Records before um, she really made it big later with Atlantic. And Columbia really... You know, it was a weird time. They really didn't know what to do with Aretha Franklin. A lot of the, you know, sort of hit women, black women in particular, you know, this is the time of Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn. So this thing in more jazzy compositions. You can definitely hear that sort of sound in right. Aretha, what they were tr- maybe trying to mold her into. And it really wasn't until she signed with Atlantic uh, closer to 1966, 67, that she really became the sole queen that we all know and love. And uh, just the influence that she had on so many artists that would come after her. Oh, yeah. I mean, we don't have time in this podcast to go through yeah. them because it's just obviously the, the, the R&B sort of descendants, the Whitney's, the Mariah's, the Fantasia's. But so many women in, in, in rock music, in, um, I mean, certainly in jazz. I mean, just every genre, really, Aretha Franklin touched. And, you know, we've seen from so many of her live performances, she could sing anything. I mean, you look at the Grammys performance with, with the opera, Nessun Dorma, when Pavarotti couldn't sing. I mean, Aretha Franklin taking on opera. Yeah. You know, that's just... I mean, truly just uh, obviously an American icon and just somebody who, I mean, the voice, just very possibly the greatest singer of all time. So uh, 
On the Billboard Sharpie podcast, we've been counting down the 100 biggest Hot 100 hits of all time. This is uh, the fourth of a four-part episode. So uh, no Aretha Franklin in the top 100, but uh, she is the number 22 all-time act on the Hot 100 for uh, all her hits over the years. So she's uh, still a huge part of uh, the Hot 100's history. And uh, yeah, she wanted to start with uh, with some Aretha Franklin uh, before we uh, get back into the countdown. But uh, yeah, let's keep going. Uh, we're up to the top 25 now. We've gone from number 100 to number 26 over the last three weeks. This week, the top 25, the biggest 25 hits in the Hot 100's 60-year history. Uh, we're going to hear from Lionel Richie talking about one of those, uh, Diane Warren, who has a couple songs as a writer, uh, two of the songs in the top 15 uh, she wrote. And uh, we'll also hear from the act at number one coming up. So let's continue on our way to the biggest hit of all time on the Hot 100. Uh, we'll pick things up from numbers 25 through number 21. Twenty-five through twenty-one on the Hot 100's twenty-five biggest hits of all time. Uh, this week, the Hot 100's uh, top one hundred songs of all time is what we're counting down uh, over these past four weeks. So, BG's number twenty-five with "How Deep Is Your Love?" That's their highest charting hit. Not their longest leading number one uh, ever. They actually had uh, three others that had more time at number one, but this is their longest charting hit on the Hot 100 overall. So 33 weeks on the chart in 1977, 1978. And uh, as we've been saying, uh, longevity on the chart is really key to uh, being at a high rank on the all-time charts. So the Bee Gees come in at number 25. And uh, Trevor, we've been talking a lot about the Bee Gees and Andy Gibb uh, uh, in the past few weeks. Uh, Bee Gees have three songs in the top 100, and that's the most of any act in the top 100, along with Boys to Men. They have three, and Lionel Richie has three. So uh, Bee Gees, Boys to Men, and Lionel Richie. Uh, there's also two Andy Gibb songs that the Bee Gees had a hand in, so it uh, makes their profile even higher. And I uh, should also mention uh, Paul McCartney and the Beatles. Uh, McCartney has two, and the Beatles have two. So four uh, four times we're hearing from Paul McCartney. But uh, yeah, none of those acts surprising that we'd be hearing uh, from some of these uh, huge names over the uh, Hot 100's biggest hits of all time. Uh, number 24, Chic 
and Lafreak, number one for six weeks, starting in December 1978. It was the first of two number ones for Chic. Uh, Good Times would follow in 1979. And uh, Nile Rogers, uh, two number ones, but absolute icon. He would become uh, just the, the list of acts that he's worked with over the years. David Bowie, Duran uh, Duran, Madonna, Lady Gaga. Uh, just in July, just last month, he was appointed chairman of the Songwriters Hall of Fame which uh, speaks to not just his production, but uh, songwriting overall. And it's a really good uh, quote he, he gave uh, when he uh, got that honor. He said, uh, I wanted to learn to speak to the souls of a million strangers. Uh, that's uh, what he calls the power of pop music, uh, speaking to the souls of a million strangers. It's kind of a nice way to put how uh, music can connect people. So uh, Nile Rogers, Chic, number 24 with Le Freak. Uh, number 23, going way back to 1960, uh, nine-week number one for Percy Faith and his orchestra theme from A Summer Place. Number 22, Boys to Men, I'll Make Love to You. 14 weeks at number one in 1994. Uh, the good news, bad news, when the song ended its run, uh, bad news, his uh, song wasn't number one anymore. The good news is, Boys to Men, number one again. Uh, follow-up, this song got to number one. clip of On Bended Knee by Boys to Men, the follow-up to I'll Make Love to You. Uh, it was a six-week number one. and it feels a little little hidden at this point in the Boys to Men catalog. I think it might be their best song, but I think you tend to think of End of the Road and I'll Make Love to You, but uh, On Bended Knee was a great song as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, kind of right in that same wheelhouse where it has that sort of big sing-along chorus. Uh, this song written uh, by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, so I think a lot of people probably know them best for their work with Janet Jackson, but well into into the mid 90s and even 2000s with with some more janet hits and hits by usher one of the uh great songwriting production teams of our time and number 21 we heard everything i do i do it for you brian adams seven weeks at number one in summertime 1991 uh longest running number one at that time uh, in eight years uh, last song that had been number one for that long was every breath you take by the police for eight weeks uh, in 1983 so this just uh, re- i remember i was uh, few years into watching billboard charts at that point and just thinking wow i i haven't seen this before this is uh, really just on a, on a whole different level uh, i remember when the song came out there was just a lot of hype about it it seemed like uh, it was uh, gonna be a big hit it had a really fast climb to number one i, I remember thinking i I really hope I like this song because I know I'm going to be hearing it a lot uh, through the summer. And I did still, still one of my favorite uh, Brian Adams songs from uh, summer of 91. That's when I was, uh, I just got my license, Trevor, uh, a few days before the song got to number one in July, 1991. It was my first summer driving our 1984 Buick Skylark. Wow. So this was Gary driving down the highway windows down, blaring Brian Adams or, is that the summer of 91 yeah. that I'm, I'm getting from you? Yeah, if I could roll down the windows, I think uh, there was no power steering on the car. So you got to work out whenever you turned anywhere. You had to have strong arms to drive that car. The 20 biggest hits of the Billboard Hot 100's history. Here's number 20 through number 16.
in the street but a freak in the bed that say all right here we go crossing into the top 20 of the top 100 songs all time on hot 100 right there at number 20 you guys heard jewel with the double-sided foolish games and you were meant for me so for those who don't know what a double sided single is this old relic of physical times careful calling anything from from uh days where i would be in record stores a relic but continue uh we'll call it a vintage sure vintage tradition uh our friend gary who very much was in the record stores is going to inform me real quick on what a double-sided single is so yeah record stores would have uh, singles or cassette singles or, or cd singles and uh, they'd have A sides and B sides, and uh, the A side was was the actual single. But there'd there'd be a song uh, on on the B side. Sometimes it'd be an album cut. Uh, you get a little bonus cut. Uh, so when Jules' album came out, uh, the single was "You Were Meant for Me," but "Foolish Games" was the B side. So uh, "You Were Meant for Me" uh, eventually became a huge hit, got to number two in 1997, and then uh, "Foolish Games" was worked was promoted to radio as the follow up single. And since that was already on the single, uh, the B side. Sort of became the A-side at that point, and the song stayed on the chart. So uh, super long chart run, and uh, sort of uh, two hits in one. The chart points uh, get combined for this, and uh, that's how it winds up. Uh, number 20 all time. All right, at number 19, throwing things a little further back to 1976, we got Rod Stewart, Tonight's the Night, Gonna Be All Right. Song is number one uh, into 1977, actually ends 1977, as the top Hot 100 single of the year. So in some ways, the race was over before it even got started. And uh, over 40 years later, Rod Stewart has new music out right now. is actually uh, rising on the adult contemporary chart with this song. Oh, my girl, my sweet, sweet little girl. Rod Stewart, uh, currently on Billboard's AC chart, songs did not. Still sounds like Rod Stewart. That's his, uh, his vocals. Uh, sounds as great as ever. All right. Moving up, number 18, we have the highest credited duet on the Hot 100 in its entire history. we got Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. The song came out in 1981, was number one for nine weeks, which is the longest of both Diana and Lionel's career. Kind of nice. It's sort of two ships passing in a, in a moment in time. Diana Ross had been virtually the star of Motown for the past 15 years before Endless Love, including all her work with the Supremes and her solo material. Lionel Richie, of course, um, really starting to break out solo after several years of fronting the Commodores. And a couple years ago, we actually spoke to Lionel Richie, or I guess I spoke to That's Lionel fine. Richie you did. <laughs> uh, about the making of Endless Love. Uh, really nice guy. Really, really fun. Um, really great memory. He knew all the details and the ins and outs. He was so, so um, insightful about the recording of this song, which, as you can only imagine, you know, 
the time that you have to get Diana Ross and Lionel Richie together to record a duet is very, very, very small. And uh, here's Lionel, actually, and he'll tell us just about that process. And they really only had one shot to get it right. I had um, from 10 to 6 in the morning, Kenny Rogers. From 6 to 12, I had Commodore's album. And I had a little time from from maybe 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock in the morning to do Inner's Love. Wow. So you, see how my time, so you see how my time was, right? Now they're saying to me, we have a duet, and we want Diana Ross to be the person to sing the duet. It got from there straight to, okay, now we have a problem. Diana's in New York. I'm in L.A. doing two albums at the same time. Kenny Rogers and the Commodores. There's no way I can fly to New York. And there's no way she can come to L.A. because she's going to do it in New York. The only place that she can possibly meet is going to be, of all places, Tahoe. She's doing Tahoe. And there was a little recording studio in Reno. Now, she's doing Tahoe, and she wants to record this after her show in in Tahoe, which is now one o'clock in the morning. Oh wow. So I have from so I now have from one until four to get Diana Ross on Endless Love. Do you understand what pressure that was, my friend? <laughs> I could only begin to imagine. We agree to show up there. We get to uh we get to um I get in earlier, I fly up she comes down at one o'clock in the morning, like clockwork. And just to show you how the session started off, I decided I would get a nap before I showed up at the studio. Mm-hmm. Well, I fell asleep in the hotel and woke up late, only to hear Lionel, Miss Ross is at the at the recording studio waiting for you. <laughs> Ooh, not not a good uh, not a good start. <laughs> not a good not a good way to start. Okay. So I get down to the studio, and of course, it's now, remember, she has done a complete show. She's done a show before the recording session. Normally, you come in rested. And I have exactly an hour and a half, maybe two hours, to get her vocals done. Okay, so I decide I don't want to go for my vocals. I'll just do 23 tracks of Diana Ross's vocals on everything I could possibly think of. I now get her on get on the plane, fly back to L.A., uh-huh. um, put my vocals on around between 7 and 10 o'clock in the morning, somewhere between, I, I, I'm sure we missed the deadline, it, it wasn't 12, uh, maybe about 2 o'clock that afternoon, I gave them a mix of Endless Love, and the rest was magical history. Lionel Richie on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Trevor, you were talking to him a couple years ago. Is it possible that uh, you got so much out of him that he, he thought, you know what, I, I need to be uh, out in the spotlight more. Maybe you got him to be on American Idol. Is, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I, after that conversation, he would turn to his publicist and said, that was fun. You know, I really, I want more time in the spotlight. No, but I'm really awesome again. You can just tell, really nice guy, really fun, forthcoming. Yeah. One of my f- sort of favorite things about this song is, and we're talking the number 18 biggest hit on the Hot 100 of all time. Diana and Lionel only have performed this song one time in history. 
And that's at the 82 Oscars, where it was nominated for Best Original Song. And all these years later, we are still waiting on that second Endless Love performance. Maybe it's uh, the Endless Wait instead. Well, in the meantime, uh, almost got to number one again, 1994. A couple of uh, great vocalists in their own right, uh, Mariah and Luther. Their version got to number two in 1994. All right, speaking of Luther, he made his debut in 1981. As did the next song on the countdown, number 17, Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Carnes. And, uh, of course, for the the super young children who may not know who a Betty Davis is, Betty Davis is an Academy Award winning actress, big star back in the uh, 40s and 50s. And Kim Carnes revived her for a new generation in the 80s. Obviously a massive hit, number one for nine weeks in 1981, end of the year as the top song. Right at number 16, uh, once again, we've got a another year in number one, 2004, Usher featuring Little John and Ludacris with the song Yeah, 12 weeks at number one in 2004. And one of my favorite things, too, that you kind of come across doing lists like this is there's so many songs that when you talk to artists or talk to the producers and you learn that the biggest hits are often like the last songs they ever record for an album, some additional add on, you know, go back and make something bigger. That's the case with. Yeah. I I mean, burn was supposed to be the lead single for confessions. Yeah. Hadn't even, you know, been a concept or whatever. And the label told Usher, "Mm, I don't think we really have a single here. Can we go back and kind of work with something? Lil John gets involved and then, yeah, becomes this thing. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe now that, you know, it would have been a no-brainer. How could this have not been the first thing they thought of? And it, you know, was really an 11th hour decision to make this song. Paid off, obviously, 12 weeks of number one and kick-started a year. I mean, Usher's 2004 still ranks as one of the biggest years for any superstar ever. We're talking four number one hits in 2004, uh, 28 weeks in charge of the Hot 100, which is still the record for any one artist for any one year, though Gary's giving me this look, and I know the Drake heads out there may also be itching to know, uh, Drake certainly threatening that record, and of course it's only about mid-August, so there are still four and a half months to go. Yeah, and In My Feelings still has a huge lead, uh, number one, so it looks like it's uh, safe, as far as we can tell, uh, for the next little bit. So, uh, yeah, we've been talking about Usher's 2004 a lot. And uh, I think as uh, Drake uh, comes closer to that record of 28 weeks at number one in a year, we're going to be uh, talking a lot more of the Drake's 2018 versus uh, Usher's 2004. And, and really, uh, is that the greatest year on the Hot 100 anyone's ever had? You could uh, we'll probably have that discussion going forward. The Beatles. Maybe we'll have that discussion going forward yeah. if you want to stay tuned to the Chart B podcast. Yeah. But now we're just going to go forward five more songs on the countdown. We're at number 15, and here we go, inching up to the door of the top 10. Here's 15 through 11 of the top 100, hot 100 hits of all time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Eleven on the Billboard Hot 100s top 100 songs of all time. We're counting them down here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Uh, Eleven weeks, number one, 1996, 1997 for Tony Braxton. Unbreak my heart. Uh, that song was written by Diane Warren, and we're going to hear another song of hers coming up here on the countdown in the top 15. So, so Trevor, you talked to uh, Lionel Richie. I spoke with Diane Warren a few months ago. Uh, so uh, Diane has written so many hits over the years, uh, starting in the 80s, Rhythm of the Night uh, by DeBarge, and then just so many uh, hits after that from the 80s uh, into the 90s and uh, beyond. So one of my favorite songwriters, really excited to talk to her recently and uh, talked a lot of different uh, angles about songwriting and how uh, songs become hits and how sometimes uh, a song can sound like a hit when you write it. But there's so many factors involved that really are out of uh, the hands of the writer and sometimes even the artists and labels and just uh, timing 
timing and luck and, and so many elements that uh, all go into making a hit. Uh, here's what Diane Warren said about that. Do you always know, I mean, as someone who's had the success that you've had, when you've written a song, do you know, yep, this is my latest hit? Or are you yeah. always surprised when they... I do, you know, I can feel you know? it, but then there's a yeah. lot of other things that come into play, isn't there, you know? I mean, yeah, I feel it when it's a great song, for sure. I feel it when, when it sounds like a hit song, for sure. On the flip side, and really aren't that many examples, but any songs you wrote that you thought, this is an absolute smash, and for whatever reasons, probably beyond your control with who wound up recording them, but record labels just didn't become yeah, yeah, a big there's, Again, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that come into play, so maybe it's a great song that doesn't get promoted, you know, or the record's not right, you know what I mean, or it comes out at the wrong time, you know, there's a million things, but you know, I'll, I'll, I never quit with a song, so I, and if it's not a hit for somebody, I'll give it to somebody else, you know. Yeah. It's like you never know, you know. Again, there's so many things that, so many variables, you know, right. that have to kind of, you know, whenever something works, I always think, you know, it's, it's a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the, what it is being a songwriter. There's only so much control you have, right? You send the song out and you just kind of hope for the best. Yeah, you know, you hope the artist didn't piss off the label, you know. <laughs> you hope that, you know, that it gets a shot at radio. You hope that, you know, you know, you just hope. Hope everything aligns. You know, everything has to align. Diane Warren on the Billboard Sharpie podcast. Uh, Tony Braxton on Break My Heart, number 15. Uh, staying uh, in the uh, part of the countdown where we're talking about uh, divas, huge uh, in the 90s and 2000s. Mariah Carey, her highest charting hit here on the all-time uh, Top 100. Uh, we Belong Together, 2005, 14 weeks at number one. Uh, her first number one in over five years. So she'd had uh, 15 number ones between 1990 and 2000. And then... Uh, yeah, things things change. She obviously had that uh, performance on TRL, which just uh, kind of changed a lot of people's perception of her. And uh, it would be a while. It'd be uh, five years before she uh, had another huge hit. Uh, we belong together. But as a Mariah fan, I, I always feel like it wasn't so much that her music changed. It's that uh, the public's response to her changed. And maybe I'm one of the few uh, relatively uh, fans who really uh, can get behind the Charm Bracelet album from 2002, I still think. They're great songs of the Glitter soundtrack in 2001. I know that's uh, not, not an opinion that a lot of people share, but I feel like the music was still really good. And I, I never thought that We Belong Together was going to become that big of a hit because she, I didn't feel like she changed her sound that much. And all of a sudden, it just felt like suddenly people were back on Mariah's side and it, it became a huge hit. So to me, it was more, it wasn't she was changing so much. It's that uh, people have a good comeback and I guess uh, they were ready for uh, for her to come back. Am I wrong or is is We Belong Together that different of a song for her? Um, I think, well, to sort of walk back on all of this. It's the Mariah Carey history of the 2000s. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously um, that, that TRL sort of meltdown really. I, I think a lot of people, um, and it was, I guess it was weird for people because, as some people say, you know, when she was 20, she was dressed like she was 40 because I guess she sort of had, you know, the long gowns and sort of this really conservative look for somebody so young. And then later, you know, when she sort of with Butterfly became more about herself, more free Then people were sort of, okay, well now you're so old. What are you doing all this for? Very weird. Glitter, of course, um, the movie, you know, very poorly received and sort of that bleeds onto the soundtrack. Let's also not forget the soundtrack came out on, unfortunately, September 11th, 2001. So, you know, I mean, as we all know, basically everything in American life kind of hit a standstill at that point and no one was thinking about buying records or anything like that. So um, that really very, you know, very much sort of sealed the deal. Um, with We Belong Together, I think it, I mean, there is something sort of different about it because the way it's sung in that sort of staccato, like, 
rap kind of way. I yeah. think it's something that that yeah. that is that is kind of that was fresh for her, something fun. After that, shake it off. Probably isn't a number two hit if we belong together. Doesn't come before that. Uh, don't forget about us. Going to number one after that. Really, uh, the the influence of we belong together really uh, put her back on track. And then touch my body in two thousand eight, her most recent number one. So uh, not only was this such a huge song on its own, but kind of uh, set her up for the next phase in her career on the charts. All right, up to number 13, Chainsmokers, featuring Halsey with Closer, 12 weeks at number one in 2016. Uh, I think the most interesting thing about that to me is how they overcame a novelty debut hit. So Selfie was uh, their first hit in 2014, just total uh, silly uh, song about uh, pop culture at that point. And it's kind of hard to necessarily take an act seriously when you have a song that's pretty much a joke song. Uh, I always look back at historically. Cindy Lauper with Girls Just Want to Have Fun, uh, not really a novelty song, but uh, certainly kind of goofy. And then Time After Time came out, and I think people uh, realized, oh, she can uh, sing a ballad and be a little, little more deep. And then uh, True Colors would come after that. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, uh, Country, Achy Break Your Heart, that's probably uh, what people are going to think about when they think about him for the most part. But he, he's had a uh, bunch of hits at Country uh, for years uh, after that. So that's a tough thing to do, to uh, come out with something that uh, announces you as an act that maybe doesn't have a whole lot of depth, but then uh, Chainsmokers totally uh, did. A uh, whole run of uh, hits after uh, Closer, and 61 straight weeks in the top 10 on the Hot 100. That's the most by any uh, duo or group ever, and, and anyone uh, not named Katy Perry, who had 69 weeks in the top 10. So it uh, wasn't just Closer. They had a uh, few hits, uh, 2016, 2017. Uh, we'll see what's coming up next. They've kind of abandoned that uh, dance pop sound that they kind of perfected for a couple of years and got a little bit more experimental. So uh, we'll see where they go going forward. But uh, yeah, in just a few years that they've been out, they've they've given us a lot of different sounds. So uh, really can't tell what will become next. Number 12 in the biggest Hot 100 hits of all time. That's the biggest one from the Beatles uh, and or Paul McCartney. We've heard a lot of them uh, so far. But uh, Hey Jude, number 12, nine weeks at number one in 1968. Uh, it really shows their evolution. Uh, you know, some some acts, and this can be a good thing or a bad thing. There are, there are acts I like who uh, they've never really changed their sound. Uh, an early song might sound like something later, and that's fine to me. If, if a song's good, it uh, doesn't really matter. But uh, this isn't a song the Beatles could have done in 1964 this isn't she loves you they uh, they went more into those psychedelic uh, sounds and just uh, really uh, just over a short span kind of became a different band and uh, hey jude really shows that yeah this you know over five minute song it's not the two two and a half minute bops that we were used to in the beginning and just to have something so dramatic i mean this is only like you said, four years after we really get to know the Beatles, could you imagine nowadays any act having such a a one eighty in 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 appearance, in mood, in thoughts, in sound, just this quickly? Like, I mean, I feel like nowadays, you know, it'd be almost. We talked about the Chainsmokers just before, right? And you know how they're navigating this new transition, and it's not work. You know, there's not giving them the gangbuster hits that we saw a few years ago, at least not yet. I mean, it feels like for the biggest band on earth to. You know, you know, just flip around. What an incredible sign of the times of the 60s that people were willing to embrace that. And I just feel like nowadays, any marketer, record label influencer is going to be like, how could you mess with the formula? Well, uh, Taylor Swift walked into Scott Borchetta's office with uh, Shake It Off 
uh, her Shake It Off, not Mariah's, uh, 2014. Yes, why, uh, why would it be Mariah's? <laughs> hey, Scott, I have this great song I want to cover. Uh, uh, but she, she walked in and uh, supposedly he said, uh, can you give me a country mix of this? Anything at 1989 is so pop. So that's probably the modern day example of an act who uh, was a total, uh, maybe biggest act uh, at the moment and decided to go from country all out to pop. So it still happens. Uh, number 11, as we uh, get towards uh, just outside the top 10, Hot 100 hits all time, Debbie Boone with You Light Up My Life, 10 weeks at number one in 1977. Uh, maybe people don't always realize this was the longest leading number one hit at the time in the Hot 100's history. First song to get to 10 weeks at number one uh, would still be the only one uh, for well about four years. And the song that would tie its record is coming up next at number 10. So uh, we'll pick that up. When we get into the top 10. Uh, here is the top 10 right now the 10 biggest hits in the billboard hot 100s history here's number 10 through number six In the top 10, the top 100 songs of all time on the Hot 100. At number 10, you just heard Physical by Olivia Newton-John, which, uh, as Gary mentioned leading into that segment, also had 10 weeks at number one in 1981 and into 1982, which tied Debbie Boone's You Light Up My Life for the longest running number one single on the Hot 100. So uh, for nearly the first 35 years of the Hot 100's existence, the two longest running number ones, both by women. And I feel nowadays that physical, such a well-known song, there's the double entendre that people love to play off with. The music video, if you haven't seen it, which works that same kind of angle to uh, to a funny conclusion. But this really isn't necessarily reflective of the whole Olivia Newton-John catalog. It really, in the 70s, she had had other number one hits, more country-ish influence, more adult contemporary leaning. It wasn't that she was sort of this young, you know, young, fun pop star necessarily. Maybe with Grease, that kind of gave her a new a new lane, a new image when she could do more sort of upbeat, fun pop songs. But it's always funny that, you know, your biggest hit sometimes can come from the strangest places. 
All right, and number nine, kind of in that same vein, a, a direction that few people may have seen this person going toward, but gave him his biggest hit yet. Ed Sheeran, Shape of You, which was number one hit just last year for 12 weeks in 2017, really working the Tropical House influence that had come into pop music in about 2015 and stayed through 2016. Again, people think of Ed Sheeran, the nice singer-songwriter, balladeer of sorts. I don't think anybody saw this kind of fun, poppy song. There's that, um, I'll be generous and say, uh, influence interpolation of TLC's No Scrubs that maybe got him in a little bit of little bit of trouble in there as well but i think ed sheeran people think more perfect more thinking out loud that would be quintessential ed sheeran no but it was shape of you that really took him to a whole new level and another new place we went to with shape of you was a record-breaking stay in the top 10 first song and only song ever to make 33 weeks in the top 10 uh that outdid the 32 that the chain smokers had with closer and another song coming up that also spent 32 weeks in the top 10. We'll talk about that when we get to the top five. And you talk about acts who changed their sound uh, fairly quickly from the start of their career. Ed Sheeran started with the A-Team, a folky ballad about drug addiction uh, just a few years later. Uh, Shape of You. So acts uh, always evolving. And uh, if it uh, hits the current sound like uh, Shape of You did, it's uh, oftentimes a uh, good recipe for a huge hit. You know, I think nowadays, to that point, the barriers are getting a lot more broken down. People much less restricted by genre. We saw, of course, Taylor go from country to pop. But you think about Drake and sort of the the, the sounds and evolution that he's brought into his music and really being one of the big pioneers of this melodic hybrid rap singing tradition that no one still knows exactly where it's going to fall out to. But certainly Drake, one of the biggest proponents of that. Rihanna, as we mentioned on our last episode about how much she's everything from just sometimes straight up rapping on songs to the dance hall to like electronic dance itself. So um, a lot of those sounds, a lot of those people moving around and none of it feels really forced or, or trying too hard. Yeah, really kind of goes back to the origin of rock and roll to begin with that uh, took sounds from from R&B and took from other influences. It, just that nowadays people. Oh, uh, yes. I might say it took a little uh, little too heavy handed with that taken. Uh, uh, but say, uh, nowadays, it's just that uh, people grow up with uh, YouTube and, and iTunes and, and streaming. So it, it's just all there uh, an easier uh, way to access everything than ever before. So that's uh, probably a big part of why we're seeing uh, so many more mixing of sounds uh, enhanced. And speaking of a song that crossed a lot of barriers, number eight, we heard Macarena, Los Del Rio, Bayside Boys mix. This song starts out, you know, as a little ditty that they created in Spain, took down into Central America. The song becomes popular, makes its way up through Florida. Uh, a Miami DJ hears a song, reworks it, turns it into maybe the biggest dance craze of our entire lifetimes. Macarena here at number eight, obviously a massive, massive hit. 14 weeks at number one on the Hot 100 in 1996, going to end the year as the top song of 1996. Uh, huge longevity, spending 60 weeks on the chart overall. And you could not be anywhere doing anything in 1996, it feels like, without the Macarena somehow getting involved. As someone who never dances, I've done the Macarena. That tells you how big it was. That woo, that's Now that's huge. If you didn't know... Because Gary will not do anything, but if Gary did the Macarena, that is that is the hallmark of a cultural phenomenon. All right, moving on to number seven, we got Black Eyed Peas and the song I Got a Feeling. We heard Black Eyed Peas earlier in the countdown with the song Boom Boom Pow. Uh, this one is the follow-up single released in 2009, 
And just like Boom Boom Pow, massive number one hit. This song, uh, just like Macarena we heard right before, also getting 14 weeks at number one. And chart fans will note, this song replaced Boom Boom Pow at number one. So Boom Boom Pow had 12 weeks at number one, was immediately replaced by I Got a Feeling and had 14 weeks at number one. So Black Eyed Peas, 26 straight weeks in the top spot. You guessed it. That is a hot 100 record. No other act has ever been able to put together half a year in the top spot all in a row. Um, of course, with streaming nowadays, you know, hits can come out of nowhere and maybe Drake would be a good contender for it. But really, to that same point, because hits can come out of nowhere, it does maybe feel like this is one of those records that might stay in place for a long time. Yeah, right. Uh, in the old days, you couldn't quite plan it as well because songs most often didn't uh, debut at number one. So you kind of had to plan if you're a record label, when might this get to number one? So right nowadays, uh, if a huge uh, act puts out something uh, first week, it might have a good chance at debuting at number one. But yeah, at the same time, there could be a, a challenge, some meme that comes along and uh, throws everything off. Yeah, I think for me, the best example this year is you would think that maybe God's plan would have had its run, then nice for what could have come along. But out of nowhere, you know, This Is America, Childish Gambino right. drops, at, I mean, literally out of the sky. And then within a week, bam, number one, knocked you out. All right. And moving on to number six of the top 100 songs, Hot 100 all time. We've got the Party Rock Anthem by LMFAO featuring Lauren Bennett and Goon Rock. LMFAO, people may not know, heirs to one of the biggest names in music history. They are the son and nephew of Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy, of course, the founder of Motown Records, so shaping an entire chapter of music history. LMFAO, of course, keeping the family name going by getting a number one hit on the Hot 100 in 2011 and followed up the next year actually with a second number one with the song Sexy and I Know It. More than anything, I probably will remember LMFAO for that performance they did at the American Music Awards with David Hasselhoff. Do you remember that, Gary? Back when you know he, the Hoff was sort of having this big resurgence in pop culture as well. It just felt like, like what, like what, what a year 2011 is going down as. This was that, that, that's a great sort of like time capsule of of pop culture. It was just, it was just fun. 2011 was just a fun time. All right, and we have arrived the top five songs ever to touch the Hot 100. Numbers 
five through number two, the biggest Hot 100 hits of all time are almost at number one. And again, this is uh, out of over 27,000 songs that have ever hit uh, the Hot 100. So these are just absolutely uh, the biggest songs. Number five, it's the highest charting hit on this entire countdown by a female act. Uh, it's also the highest non-number one song. Got to number two in 1997 for Leanne Rimes' How Do I Live? The uh, timing, Elton John, Candle in the Wind, Something About the Way You Look Tonight was in its way. Uh, this one uh, wins on the overall countdown. Uh, How Do I Live is number five. Uh, Elton John's song is number 52. So a uh, really long run on the chart. Uh, held the record for the most weeks in the top 10, as Trevor, you were just saying before, 32 weeks uh, until Closer tied it. And then Shape of You uh, passed it with 33 weeks. So one of the all-time longest lasting songs in the top 10 in the Hot 100's history. Uh New version. It's actually back on Billboard charts. Uh, there's a, a new, uh, as Leanne Rimes is calling it, reimagined uh, version on uh, Dance Club Songs uh, Rising. So uh, over 20 years later, song has had uh, dance remixes before, even when it was out originally. Uh, there was a dance uh, version that uh, some radio stations were playing. And uh, obviously, uh, Leanne Rimes had the pop hit. Uh, Trisha Yearwood had the country version that got to number two. So uh, songs really had a lot of different uh, incarnations. And here we are in 2018. And there's another version of it uh, still becoming a hit now. And I think one thing that gets sort of lost about the Leanne version is when Leanne Rimes is singing this, she's only 15 years old. So to have that maturity in her voice just to be well beyond her years is, I mean, to me, that's just still astounding. Uh, I wasn't on the scene, but I guess, Gary, when she came out a couple years before with Blue, at age 13, was that like a f- revelation for a lot of people? Oh, yeah. There hadn't been anyone uh, country uh, that young having that kind of a hit in a long time. Uh, Tanya Tucker had had that kind of a start in the 70s. But uh, it was a little polarizing because, uh, you know, a country sort of has its its rules of how uh, songs become hits and how uh, you come to Nashville, you uh, kind of work your way in. And for a 13-year-old to suddenly have a hit that sounded obviously like a Patsy Cline song from the 50s, uh, there were a lot of things that were really different about it. But uh, clearly it connected uh, yeah, I saw Leanne Rimes uh, in concert in 2003. Uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen vocally. Uh, that what you hear uh, on on record is uh, exactly what she sounds like live. It's just uh, just a gift that very few people have. All right, up to number four, Uptown Funk, Mark Ronson featuring Bruno Mars. It's the highest ranking song of the 2000s, 2010s. So. Uh, 14 weeks at number one, uh, beginning in 2015. Really, uh, I think it's pr- pretty uh, clear at this point. It's the turning point in Bruno's career because uh, for first uh, five years or so before that, it's pretty much a pop act. And then this song comes out and uh, Uptown Funk uh, really uh, just uh, taking on, on uh, 70s influences, uh, 80s. And uh, since then, we got That's What I Like and 24 Karat Magic and uh, all the songs on that album that just have much more retro feel. feels like, uh, among uh, so many other things that this song did and all its chart honors, kind of feels like this uh, set Bruno up for where he's uh, been since and all the Grammy Awards, probably where he's going to keep going. Those Grammy Awards may not have ever shown up on Bruno's shelf without all of this stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where he goes next, of course. Um, if he wants to keep expanding his sounds, because obviously he has the talents to do it. We've seen, as you mentioned, sort of straight down the road AC ballads from him. We saw sort of that police 80s influence on Locked Out of Heaven. Now we've seen all of these songs from the 90s. So really one of the most versatile artists, I think, of our time. And yeah, I mean, the song kind of interesting that it can take so many 70s, 80s funk and R&B sounds, which really weren't in pop music at that particular moment. It was a lot more... Um, it just really wasn't there, and to you know, knock down the door and make this a 14 week number one that's that's crazy. I still think this uh, should have been a bigger hit for pro. 
Versace on the floor on the Billboard Chart podcast. I feel like that just obviously wasn't as, as big a hit as the other songs from 24 Karat Magic, but we played a little clip of On Bend and Knee, Boys to Men before. It's uh, completely what it's uh, taking that sound from. Uh, I like that, that smooth uh, 90s R&B sound. Bobby Darren, number three, Mac the Knife, nine weeks at number one, 1959. Uh, it's actually interesting, too. We're up to the top three. Two of the top three are from... 1959 and 1960. So we're going way back uh, for two of the biggest hits in the Hot 100's history. Uh, Bobby Darren, uh, actually, uh, he was at number three on the very first Hot 100 on August 4th, 1958 with Splish Splash, the very first chart. Uh, He'd have another uh, big hit, number two with Dream Lover uh, after that. So uh, Mac the Knife, really different sound. This is much more of an adult, uh, big band kind of a throwback. Uh, sound so for a young act at the time to do a song like this it was uh not really uh, expected uh turned out to be his biggest hit nine weeks at number one uh, also at 26 weeks on the chart so that's why uh, this song uh, in part is so high on the countdown uh, songs didn't get 26 weeks on the chart uh, back then uh, a few did but even big number one hits just didn't have that kind of longevity back then so again uh, longevity helping this song all time Rob Thomas. So uh, Santana's song, but Rob Thomas' vocals, really a, a great mix of, of both of their strengths. Uh, Santana's guitar work and Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 just uh, owning a lot of the 90s. So really a, a superstar pairing. One of those accidental pairings, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like Rob Thomas was never supposed to at least initially sing this song. Uh, George Michael, originally in the mix. George Michael. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. George Michael's. Yeah. Co- woo. Good. That would have changed so much. That uh, would have changed a lot. Yeah, it would have been, uh, it might have been uh, George Michael's first huge hit in, in years. Yeah, I just wonder, would it have been the same hit with with George Michael? Like, obviously, Rob Thomas, you know, some Maxbox 20 was big at the time, so there was that. I mean, I just, maybe it would have been. Maybe it would have been a smash out of nowhere. And yeah. How great would that have been if Santana and George Michael well, it was, came back to rule the 90s? Well, it was it was a combination of, of a classic act with someone who was so hot at the time, Rob Thomas. So I think that really what made it partly such a huge hit because uh, people could say, oh, okay, uh, Rob Thomas, we know him, but Santana, the, combine that. Uh, yeah, Santana hadn't had a, even a top 10 in 28 years at that point, 1971. Oh, yeah, como va? So I was trying to think of now that would be like an act that hadn't had a big hit since 1990 suddenly having uh, the number two all-time hit on the Hot 100. So, uh, uh, New Kids on the Block, Sinead O'Connor, Billy Idol, Vanilla Ice. Hey, never count out V-Ice. But there is one song that stays eternal because it's forever number one in our hearts and definitely number one on the chart. Yep. So uh, we've uh, done these all-time countdowns that we started in 2008 for the Hot 100's 50th anniversary. Uh, Again, five years later for the 55th in 2013. Uh, 2015, we did a a greatest of all time recap for the Hot 100 and Billboard 200 albums chart. And uh, now for the fourth time in 2018, this song is easily number one every single time. Uh, There's never uh, really much competition. And uh, we'll see going forward, this this really could have it locked up for for who knows how long. The one record Drake may never get. Yeah. So uh, it was number one twice in 1960, and then again in 1962. So uh, kids originally uh, helped make it a hit with The Dance, and then a little bit later, adults got behind it. Whole separate run got to number one again in uh, January 1962. Uh, To this date, no other song has been number one in two separate release cycles and 39 weeks on the chart overall. That was uh, actually record for uh, 20 years, the first 20 years, the Hot 100's existence. Uh, No song hit 40 uh, weeks until i just looked this up i didn't know this uh, paul davis i go crazy 
1978 had 40 weeks. So, uh, yeah, the twist. Chubby Checker is the number one song of all time. The nice thing about this is when we've uh, done these recaps the last uh, 10 years, uh, we always have Chubby Checker come up to Billboard. He's always so excited to get this honor. Uh, thinking back about how uh, he, he said he never wanted to be anything but a singer. And he started uh, when he was really young and uh, for about 60 years. This has been his career. He's uh, become a legend. So uh, it's always nice to, to tell Chubby that he's still number one every time uh, we do one of these recaps. And uh, he was here just uh, recently when we announced uh, number one. And uh, once again, he talked about what it means to him to have the number one song of all time and the legacy on Billboard charts and beyond of The Twist. Hottest dance sensation in the last four years, a thing called The Twist. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Chubby Checker. I was still in high school, and uh, while I was graduating, the twist was being played on the radio. And uh, in my yearbook, Chubby Checker's always a yearbook with my classmates. So it was a very exciting time for me, and it was such a, 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 a new experience for me because all I ever wanted to do was to be a singer. I never wanted to be anything else. I wanted to be on stage singing in front of an audience. That's all I ever wanted in my lifetime. And it's just to know that this was happening and I just I didn't hardly even believe it it was so amazing for me and uh, we had we didn't know that that those two minutes and 42 seconds was going to change the music industry this amazing it, it just makes makes you want to cry the, those couple moments changed the dance floor and we didn't know that we put these stupid dances out we didn't know the twist the pony the fly the shake you know uh, just to think about that and today as we speak the biggest thing that's happening in the music industry is the hip-hop industry. That, all of that music, and listen carefully, you guys, all, this, all that music was named after my song, The Pony. That's what a pony does. He hips and he hops. And the dance that the rappers do is the chubby checker dance that goes like, <laughs> you know, and that's what they do. And so, and in 1988, we did the twist with the Fat Boys, right? And I was so glad to to have a a little bit of that rap thing incorporated with what was some of what I was doing because the Fat Boys weren't even born when when uh, when the twist came out. <laughs> yeah. And one of the guys came and he said, "Chubby, you know we 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 want to sing a twist, man." I said, <laughs> "I said, so go sing it." No, 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 no. We we want to rap. We want you to sing. I said, "Really now?" He says, yeah, come on. He says, we're going to sing. I said, fine. We went on the charts. It was amazing. But I had, had a chance to do some rapping with the Fat Boys. That's it was amazing. great. <laughs> song of all time in the Billboard Hot 100's history. It's The Twist by Chubby Checker. Uh, really, more than just a song, the dance as well, as uh, Chubby Checker says. Uh, rock and roll didn't have a dance. He, he really changed that, and uh, dance and music have been so tied together throughout uh, the rock era. 
that uh, that's a huge part of the song's appeal and uh, chart performance. Again, this is what this uh, countdown is based on, how songs performed on the Hot 100. So that long run, and that's two times at number one in 1960 and 1962. Uh, no song has ever done that. No song ever uh, in the last uh, 58 years has been able to catch the twist. Still number one all time on the Hot 100. So hopefully you guys have enjoyed counting down these last four weeks with Gary and me, the top 100 songs that we have ever seen on the Billboard Hot 100. Um, we've seen, of course, a great snapshot in a lot of ways of just some of the biggest songs, biggest trends, biggest acts who have ever come across the Hot 100. If by chance you missed an episode or a segment here or there, don't worry, we're going to do the whole countdown again. We got to talk about all these songs again? No. Oh. I don't think my vocal cords or sanity could handle it. Yeah. Uh, what we are going to do is just play a quick medley going from numbers 100 all the way down to number one. So if you missed anything, here they are again, a nice sonic portfolio of the top 100 songs ever on the Billboard Hot 100. Yep, uh, courtesy of our uh, video department who made this. And uh, we're actually going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, we'll be back after that, after, uh, well, summer will be over by then. Uh, but we'll be back to a regular format. Uh, more guests, uh, Hit Songs Deconstructed is coming back. We're going to talk uh, with them uh, about a couple of huge hits that have been out, break those down. And uh, yeah, more Drake. We'll be talking more Drake because it's 2018. Ooh, Gary already putting down putting down his bets. The Drake will still be popular in two weeks. Drake will still... Hey, again, in the streaming era, you never know who's coming out. Drake could be a thing of the past. Maybe. Somehow. I'm going to stick with my bet. He'll still be big. Yeah, that's probably going to pay out uh, really, really well. So enjoy your two weeks off. Be sure to tune back in again after Labor Day when we uh, reveal the song of the summer winner. Drake very much in contention for that once again. Thanks to In My Feelings and All Things Hot 100. Speaking of which, as promised, here we go. If you missed it, we're going to do a drive-by countdown from numbers 100 all the way to number one. These are the top 100 songs on the Hot 100 of all time. When I see your face There's nothing 
the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.